Welcome to Bumper Sticker Faith. My name is Sam Key, and this is episode 108, and it is the end of the year, the end of 2023. We've had a heck of a run this year on Bumper Sticker Faith podcast, wouldn't you agree? We've had some fantastic guests, like guests that were so fantastic, we didn't even deserve them. And uh, I, 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 we had something like almost 40 some guests and some reoccurring just from all walks of life. And I've been super encouraged just thinking about the year. And I'm really appreciative of uh, all your support. A special shout out to the BS crew members for keeping this thing uh, going and supporting us financially and through prayer. So uh, as we get to the end of the year, we're at the final episode of the year then. I would like to give somewhat of a New Year's challenge to everyone. And I want to focus on BS Faith itself. And I want to give you some ways that you can avoid BS Faith in the New Year. That's bumper sticker faith in the New Year. And so I'm going to give you a list kind of like a code that I wrote for myself uh, a number of years ago that I uh, tried to follow, and I want to share it with you. And you can uh, perhaps adopt it for yourself in the new year. These are 14 ways to avoid BS faith. You ready? I don't know if I am. All right, here we go. Number one, I will try my best to call a thing what it is, rather than to bend the truth, sneak, or lie, or hide, remembering that truth is more important than consequences. I'll try my best to call a thing what it is, rather than lie, sneak, hide, knowing that truth is more important than consequences. Did you get that? This one is foundational. It's so important. I think especially for people in the church, religious people especially, because what happens is we, um, let's say, we fail to live up to the truth. We let the truth slide sometimes for the sake of appearance, for the sake of optics in the Christian world. And I think you kind of know what I mean. Maybe there's something that you're doing or a habit or a like that you have, but you're a little... Uh, scared to let anybody know about that for uh, what they might think, for how it might look, how you might appear. And I mean, it's not okay with bad things that you do, first of all, and it's not even okay with normal neutral things that you do. If you're uh, in any way hiding or, or sneaking or bending the truth or just outright lying, that's not that's not good for your soul. It's not good for your growth. It it uh, causes us to develop into uh, different people within the same person. I become two people within the one person, maybe even more than two people, depending on how many masks uh, I put on. So uh, the resolution then is to try your best to to be you, just to show up as you in the new year. And uh, don't try to bend the truth or lie or sneak. Anytime you're sneaking or hiding uh, in in relationships with others especially, that's a sure signal that there's uh, something amiss in your life that you need to talk with someone about, that you need to pray about, that you need to get right 
uh, with God about. So that's number one. Number two. Oh, and I wanted to add, I wanted to add that last part about remembering that truth is more important than consequences. Here's what I, I almost forgot that. This is so important because we tend to elevate consequences and lower the truth. We tend to think that consequences are are more important or higher than living up to the truth. So because we don't want to face the consequences of our behavior, because there might be some kind of a bad consequence, then we'll bend the truth or, or we'll lie uh, in order to avoid those consequences, thinking that lying is somehow will be easier on us than facing those consequences. That is a lie from the pit of hell, all right? That is a lie outright. That is false. The worst possible thing that you could do is to lie or hide the truth, not live up to the truth. You can get through consequences, no matter how awful, hard, terrible they are, but you cannot get through the truth. You cannot stand up against the truth and think you're going to lie and be deceptive and um, everything be okay with you. You won't. It's like standing up against the ocean during a tsunami. Like you can't survive that. When you place yourself against the truth, you won't be able to survive it. But you can survive whatever consequences that might happen to you as a result of your bad behavior. So instead of lying about it, sneaking, hiding, being deceptive, just face the consequences. You can get through them. Trust me, you can. But again, you won't be able to get through going against the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father but through me. You, 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 you can't progress towards God and go against the truth. You're going against Christ himself, John 14, 6. Okay, number two. I will share my struggles and failures with another person, because I know that if I can't talk about something, then it has power over me. Now, I've talked about this over in various episodes throughout uh, the year, but it's worth having in here in this New Year's list. I will share my struggles and failures with another person because I know if I can't talk about something, then it has power over me. Resolve to do that in the new year. Find a friend, phone a friend, find a pastor, find a stranger, find, find, find anybody, talk to them. And, it, and it's not just okay, you and God, all right? Maybe sometimes it is okay for just you and God. But if after a few times of praying about an issue, confessing to God, then that it's still there, that nagging feeling still there, or maybe you keep getting tripped up by something, then you got to go to another person. You, you just have to. Because that breaks the power of that thing over your life. The more you keep it in hiding, and it, it's like closing a, a boiling tea kettle. The more you keep the lid on, the the more it's going to get volatile and explode into far worse things. It just is. So the way you have to vent it, you have to share about it. So in other words, worse than even the behavior itself this might be an extreme statement, but you know me by now. Worse than the behavior itself is hiding or not confessing or not telling someone else about that behavior. 
because then it just gets worse. It leads to more behavior. You know, you're, God has made us so that uh, our souls, um, they want the truth. They want to be known. They want to be right, okay? And, um, and they will get their way. So if you don't share something that you need to share with someone, your soul's going to keep at being agitated, agitated, and causing you to do worse things to try to get your attention until you come clean. So you better start sharing when the when it's easier to share these things when than when it's harder and there and there are even worse things that you might have to share. So vow to share your struggles and it's okay because that'll open up a door everybody has struggles and shares things i've found that when i've shared with people they absolutely they love it because then it gives them permission to share because they were thinking the same thing they wanted someone to share with as well it, it and it creates the sweetest form of fellowship when you both can uh talk about your struggles and your dirt and and that's called it's humility is what it is. And when you're both being humble together before God, there there's there's really not much like it. So um vow uh to maybe vow is too strong of a word, but uh try your best to enter that sweet form of fellowship, of the fellowship of humility in the new year. So that's number two. Number three. Along with that, I will pursue sincere fellowship because the very worst failure is to be independent from God and other people. Did I rip that off from the movie? It's a wonderful life. It's a Christmas season. We just, maybe you just watched that. But at the very end in the little book that he wrote down, I can't remember it exactly, but the words uh, went something like, uh, he is no failure who has friends. And I, 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 that's, that's saying something similar. So, uh, this says, I will pursue sincere fellowship because the worst failure is to be independent from God and other people. Okay. <sighs> Sit and think about that. You, there may be, uh, ways that you think that you have failed or done wrong or not lived up or been a hypocrite or countless things. But if, you are pursuing God and you are pursuing a relationship with other people as well, then a lot can be covered over and absolved. And you can do so much to help yourself to stay on the right path, to ease your conscience, to get rid of that guilt, to get rid of the shame, because you're, 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 uh, putting yourself in a body. And if you're a Christian, you're putting yourself, you're keeping yourself in the body of Christ. And it is a metaphysical reality that that's happening. When you're joined with the body, you're not just yourself. You're not just the old sinful, failing, whatever you think of yourself, self, you're not just that self, but you're part of, you're joined to a greater body, the body of Christ. You know, in Acts 9, when uh, Paul was persecuting the church, Jesus uh, confronted Paul when, because Paul was persecuting Christians in the church. And Jesus confronted Paul and said, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Me, like me? 
Yes, me. When you touch other Christians, when you persecute other Christians, you are persecuting, you are touching the very body of Christ himself because they're connected. And likewise, when you're fellowshipping with other Christians, you're fellowshipping with Jesus himself. That you're, you're in a greater metaphysical reality than you just by yourself. And it's a much, it's, it's a much bigger, happier, more meaningful world to be in. Number four, I will strive to be myself rather than hide under a mask, remembering that the goal of life is wholeness, not perfection. Ooh, I got a friend. His name's Aaron, Aaron Subich. He was on the uh, podcast before, but he says, and I love it when he says this, and shout out to Aaron if you're listening. Aaron says, I hate perfect. <laughs> I love it when he says that. We'll be, we'll be doing a, a chore, a job, and, and something will go wrong, and he'll say, that's fine, because I hate perfect. And that's such a healthy, um, that's such a healthy thing to say and, and posture to, to be, because perfection, it, it kills you. Because we, especially because we have warped definitions of what perfection is, like, Perfection to us means free of mistakes, like a perfect math test or something. Uh, and that's not what biblical perfection is in any way, shape, or form. But even so, even so, the, the idea that we have to be perfect. And do you think that to be a Christian is to be perfect? And that to be accepted by God is to be perfect. And you may have the right doctrine and you may have heard stuff like this before from pastors or on the radio, like, oh, you don't have to be perfect. You accept that. But deep down, you still think you do. And that's why we don't share with other people and draw close to other people. That's why we feel shamed when we drive by other people's houses and they have better stuff than us, better kids than us, or why we won't have people in our homes, or why we won't just be honest in a small group. And instead of uh, asking for cliche prayers for our great aunt Betty's herniated back disc, and, and we will ask for those things, but we won't ask for our, our very personal and intimate struggles with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Because why? Because we have this warped idea that we have to be perfect to be liked. And so this one is saying, I will strive to be myself rather than hide under a mask. And you know what that mask is you put on. Maybe that of a good mom or a good husband or a good community member, a good Christian, whatever that mask is. Remembering that the goal of life is wholeness and not perfection. You see, wholeness is different than this weird kind of view of perfection that we have today because wholeness includes brokenness in it, right? It just does. It's like the picture is of a mountain and you have God on top. He is supreme. He should be at the top of our lives of everything. And we'll get to that in some of the rest of these. But as you go down to the bottom, it's light and whole, uh, and kind of pristine, it's holy at, at the top. But as you get down to the bottom, uh, the base of the mountain, that's where you get uh, the trees and the dirt and the little animals running around. And you look under the rocks there at the bottom and there's decomposition happening. And there's this, there's this brokenness and there's this ooze and there's these, these critters that are um, breaking things down. And, and that's the fragmentation at the bottom. That's the brokenness. We would call it imperfection. 
rather than the glorious vista at the top. But that's still part of the whole mountain. That's wholeness. That's integrity. And your life needs room for all of that. You need a place for the oozing brokenness at the bottom of your life, uh, in your life. You need to make room for that. You need to make room for that in your life. And that's what it means to have integrity and to be whole. Not to pretend like it's not there, because um, because it is there. And that's who you are. And it's all part of being whole. And it's all part of being holy as well. And uh, I say, too, I'll strive to be myself. Now, there's a big kick for authenticity these days. And I'm I'm starting to hate that word because it's starting to mean something that it shouldn't mean anymore. And so we think uh, to be authentic is to just do whatever you want. Um, that's, that's, that's not what authenticity is. Just to be able to do and whatever you want and be whoever you think you are. That's actually ego, right? That's, that's, um, you thinking that, um, you can advance yourself, that you can have credit, credibility with the world, that you can gain something by, um, by choosing what you think yourself and other people and even God want you to be. And I want to replace authenticity with vulnerability. So when I say uh, I will, um, I will strive to be myself. I want you to hear I will strive to be vulnerable. I'll share the things that I don't want to share that make me appear weak before others. That's what it really means to be authentic, not hiding behind your ego, but putting the things out there that you don't want anybody to know about. That causes you to look weak and humble that's the goal not this weird form of of authenticity that we have so number five then i will try to figure out what is important to my soul more than what is important to the world right Uh, the world is going to be demanding on us our whole lives especially i think we feel it when we're younger and the world demands that we get good grades that we uh, get a good job, that we get have a good marriage, good kids, uh, that we advance, that all these demands that the world has on us. But eventually you want to get to the place where he's like, no, I don't want to live for what the world demands of me, but what does my soul want? Like God made me, he gave me a soul. And what w- what is my soul longing for? Um, what does it want? What does it need? And um, Am I listening uh, to that soul? And your soul demands things that um, that are different than what the world is demanding of you. Your soul wants things like, well, supremely, it wants God. It it wants transcendence. It wants um, it wants intimacy with God. It wants to be awed and inspired. Your soul wants hope too, and your soul wants um, relationships with other people and and with God your soul wants meaning and purpose and God designed you in your in your body and he put you in a certain way and he put you in a certain uh, location and at a certain time and place in the, in this world for for a reason and he gave you certain gifts and interests and abilities and your soul wants those to be realized it wants to it wants to follow those things 
uh, that 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 God sovereignly has done with your life and has put in place, and your soul um, wants to live up that to that to that potential, and it it, it may it may it may mean like um, I don't know maybe uh, you you've always wanted to uh, uh, write or you've always wanted to do artwork or. You've always wanted to do stand-up comedy, or, but you're you've, you're you're no good at it. You've never even tried any of these things before. Or you've always wanted to bake or travel or or, or something that's just there that um, your your soul or or serve in some way. Start being able to listen to what your soul is wanting of you, demanding, asking of you more than what the world is asking uh, of you. There's a there's a great book by Dr. James Hollis um, called something like, um, see if I have it here, uh, something about finding meaning in the second half of life. Dr. James Hollis, H-O-L-L-I-S, and he talks about uh, this, and it's just just fantastic. Uh, so number six, I will move toward my pain rather than take the path of addictive, self-soothing behaviors. I will move toward my pain rather than taking the path of addictive self-soothing behaviors. This is this is another very important one. And uh, if you're trying to do other things, if you have other New Year's resolutions like losing weight or exercising more or, or spending less time on media uh, or whatever, um, this could be part of the core of your struggle because what we tend to do when uh when we have opposition when we're going through some kind of a pain when there's a pain a hurt in our lives we what we tend to do and i mean and no wonder but because it's a way of managing that is we reach for some kind of addictive behavior some kind of thing to soothe us because we're not comfortable with tears we're not comfortable with pain we're not comfortable with hurt. It's hard to hold those emotions to like to to experience them. And so instead, we'll do some kind of behavior like eating macaroni or shopping or uh, any number of things rather than just facing the pain. This comes into play in your relationships with people too, especially personal relationships, like uh, close relationships, because uh, sometimes it's hard to hold someone else's pain to make room for their pain in, in your life. Uh, and so... Uh, when they start to uh, express like their hearts and cry and their pain, their hurt, uh, and whether it's against you or not, or just in general, uh, we it's hard for us to hold that. Like Jesus held Mary and, and Martha's pain outside of Lazarus's tomb in John chapter eleven. Jesus held their pain and he wept. He didn't brush it aside or or um, just avoid it or just go to the miracle really quickly. But he took time and he held their pain and he let it. He, he let himself feel it. He felt the pain, and that's what we're called to do: to learn how to make room in our lives for pain, to welcome it to the table, be com- to, to become comfortable with tears. And if you're in pain, if there's uh, some kind of suffering going on in your life, maybe it's okay. Maybe you're just called to sit with it right now, rather than try to fix it. Rather than try to avoid it, rather than try to soothe it, maybe the best thing that God wants you to learn how to do with that pain is to sit with it, to sit under it, to be to be hurt by it. Now, 
I know there's all kinds of footnotes in this one. Uh, as far as like, if you're in an abusive situation, that kind of pain, I'm, I'm not talking about that. All right. I'm not talking about those kinds of situations, but I'm, I'm, I'm talking about in the normal circumstances, the normal bruises, bumps and bruises, metaphorical bumps and bruises of life that happen to us rather than reaching for that thing that soothes that we that we stand with the pain and we move into it and we let it move into us and maybe that is a call to action too because let's say you let's say you are in some kind of a abusive relationship verbally abusive relationship or or that and and when someone is abusing you and you feel that pain uh instead of like denying it or suppressing what's happening to you or or going to some self-soothing behavior and try to try to cope with it maybe because it's harder than to stand up to that person to stand up to the pain you know maybe this is a call for you then to stand up to that pain rather than to go to the default things that you've been doing to try to manage that bad behavior from someone else does i hope that i hope that makes sense all right, so we need to learn to get more comfortable with pain and 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 have having it in our lives in the right way. Number seven, I will run the particular race set before me because this will bring the most meaning to my life. God, God set a race before you. He 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 put you in a particular time and place. He gave you a course to run. And he's given everybody a different course. So stop looking at the other person's course and saying, oh, I could run that course better or I wish I was on that course with those opportunities and those obstacles or those uh, whatever. No, God gave a very specific course to you. He gives a specific course to everyone. They're all different. And we just have, we have to live with that. That's his sovereignty. That's his providence. And, and the question is, is what are you doing with the course that he's put before you? Are you, are you advancing on it? Are you um, doing your best? Are you trying? Or are you envying somebody else's? Are you quitting? Are you self-soothing? Are you doing all those other things? Run the race set before you. Get your eyes off someone else. Because when your eyes are on someone else's race, you're missing the opportunities that God has given you. You're missing the responsibilities that he's given you. You're missing the challenges that he's trying to uh, help you to grow by overcoming, by doing, by attempting. You're missing the people that he's called you to serve. You're missing the ways that he's, he wants you to grow. You think you know like we think we know how we should grow and what's good for us. We have, and one level, we have no idea, but God knows. And those things that he places in our lives, those obstacles in our course that rub us the wrong way, that just, we hate, guess what? God put them there for a reason. He's going to keep putting those things there until you face them and learn how to move towards them and overcome them. All right. He has a specific course set for you. Run that this year. Run it this year and breathe a sigh of relief that you don't have to be anybody else. You don't have to run anybody else's race. Let them do that. Pray for them, whatever. You run your race. That will bring the most meaning to your life. Number eight, I will honor my weaknesses and wounds as my strength, not resisting God's mysterious ways of working. This goes along from the, the number seven. God has given you weaknesses and he's given you wounds. 
Honor those as your strengths. All right? Honor those as your strengths. Because guess what? They are, they are your strengths. In a pre, with Dr. Tom Price, episode 106, I believe it is, two episodes ago, he said something so powerful that I hope you caught it. He said that humility is the partaking of divine omnipotence. Humility is the partaking of God's omnipotence. When we humble ourselves, when we are vulnerable, when we, when we don't try to avoid our weaknesses, but when, when we're just weak, when we're at our wit's end and we cry out to God for help, that's when we're connected with God's power. Paul says that, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. So embrace your wounds and weaknesses. That's a place for you to camp out and live, not be ashamed of. But that is a way you're connected with God's omnipotence. And omnipotence means his power, right? Jesus Christ in Revelation, God calls him the Ponte Krator. Don't you love that Greek word, the Ponte Krator? That's Ponte means all and Krator means powerful. He's the all-powerful. And if you want to connect yourself to the Ponte Krator of, the, of everything, your wounds do that. Your wounds are the window. Your weaknesses are the way. In fact, there's a good, there's a good book. I have it back there by um, J.I. Packer called Weakness is the Way. Get that book, that little tiny book by J.I. Packer, Weakness is the Way. So I will, so, and then honor those weaknesses. And how do you honor a weakness, you might ask? Well, you could weep over it. Crying over something in your life, a weakness, a wound over your life, is a way of honoring it. It's a way of validating it. That's how you honor it. Not avoiding it, not being shamed of it, but weeping over it. But by um, being honest about it, those are ways to honor, to depend on God in that area. So weeping, uh, depending on God, and being honest about those things, those are three ways to honor those weaknesses and wounds. And that will connect you to divine omnipotence. So number, uh, number nine, and God has mysterious ways of working, right? So back to that one. God works through crosses. God works through persecution. God, God, works, through, God works through death. And resurrection. That's how God works. He doesn't, he doesn't, he works through the stuff at the bottom of the mountain, the decomposing things. That's how God works. That's where he works. That's where he's at. And um, that's where we'll find him in our darkness. So number nine, I will give my rejected, unwanted parts a seat at the table of my life, at the seat of the table of my soul. And I'll ask myself what my valid needs are and how I can meet them in a legitimate way. I will give my rejected, unwanted parts a seat at the table of my soul and ask myself what my valid needs are and how to get them met in a legitimate way. So this, this idea of the shadow that we've talked about before, the shadow is that part of you that contains all the things you don't like about yourself. And they're not necessarily sin, although for a lot of Christians they are sins. Um, but they don't have to be. They're just the things you don't like about yourself. Uh, um, Richard, what's his name? Robert. Robert Bly um, talked about the long bag that we carry behind us. And in the long bag, that's where you put all the junk you don't like about yourself. And every person has this long, dark bag that they're carrying behind them of all the things they don't like about themselves. They don't like their height. 
their weight. They don't like the family that they're born in. They don't like, they didn't like their mother's, um, uh, alcoholism when they were growing up. They, they, they don't like a sin that they did that, that we ourselves struggle with. So off to the bag it goes. We're, we're, we're ashamed of, uh, where we went to school. Off to the bag it goes. We're ashamed of, um, being bullied. Off to the bag it goes. All these things that we don't like about ourselves, they go into the bag and we just, we think that we've dealt with them, but we haven't. And what I'm saying to do in the new year, open the bag, go down in that dark area and look at those things. I'm not asking you to celebrate them, to pray to them in front of the world. I'm not saying that, but just recognize that they're there and at least give them a seat at the table of your soul in the new year. And say, what do these things want to say to me? What can they teach me? What what are what are they doing? Because the more you keep them in the bag, the more you suppress them, the more they grow, and and the more out of control things get in your life. Versus, it's like it's like the movie Inside Out. I don't, I can't believe I'm going to mention this movie. I've only seen it once, and it was a long time ago. But it's kind of that idea that the, the, there's these different parts of you, and instead of I think she was um, kind of ashamed of her sadness, maybe. But instead of rejecting that part, give it a seat at the table of your soul and and let it because it has a power that you need. And and maybe because it's been in a dark bag so long that his it has kind of not has not matured and it is kind of immature right now. But once you bring it out, give it a seat at the table of your life. That'll give it the chance to mature and to grow how God uh, wants it to grow. And so you can stop pretending to be something that you're not and just accept who you are. That's that vulnerability I was talking about. To be vulnerable is to risk being weak, to be being who you are, because you don't want to be that all that stuff in the bag. But give those rejected unwanted parts a seat at the table of your life. And I guarantee you, can I, this is a bumper sticker BS guarantee, but I guarantee your life will be much more meaningful, rich, deeper uh, in the new year. And you'll have less struggles with these other things on the surface that are being driven by those things in the bag, but you don't even realize it. You don't realize that these surface behaviors that you're struggling with and you're wondering where their power is coming from, it's coming from that bag. The bag is calling the shots and you're not even aware of it. So give those things a seat at the table of your soul and uh, be conscious of them and aware of them and address them. Bring them to the light and and talk with, with God about them. Talk with other people about them. And that is the way to grow in the new year. Number 10, along with that, I will embrace my inner prodigal and use it to become more authentic and whole. I love Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son. You know the story. He went off and he took his father's inheritance and he and he thought he needed wild living. And so he lived that. That was like what his ego wanted. That's what his pride wanted. He thought that that would um, be the, the thing that would um, bring the most meaning to his life. But he realized that that wasn't where it was at. And so... Uh, he was vulnerable. <laughs> he was humiliated and literally on the earth in the hummus. That's what humility comes from in the pig's mud. And uh, he was vulnerable. He came back home and he, he confessed that um, he confessed his sin and it's wrong. And what did the father do? Didn't shame him. Didn't judge him. 
didn't yell at him, didn't scold him. He didn't say, do a better job next time. He didn't give him a lesson. He didn't um, give him the cold shoulder. But the father turned and embraced him, wept tears on his neck, and held him. That's what we need to do with that prodigal person inside of us. That part of you that you're ashamed of, that's given you such a hard time, that's been rebellious. There's only, there's only one healthy way of dealing with that person in you. And that's to be the father to that prodigal and to turn around and embrace it. And once you do that, then you can begin that that prodigal can begin to reform and, and all of that. You know, that's that's where it, that's where it, that's where it happens from. But it starts from the embrace. It starts from the tears and the kisses on the neck. That's that's where it starts. That's where that's where that's where the bumper stickers get peeled away. That's where the BS really meets meets the road because um you you're not hiding behind anything anymore. And you're not pretending that you're something that you're not. And you're not um, ashamed of um, how God has made you or, 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 or any, what someone else has done to you. But you're learning with God's strength and his encouragement and his power and his tenderness to embrace that part of yourself, those parts of yourself. Number 10 was, I will embrace my inner prodigal and use it to become authentic, or my new word for authenticity, to be vulnerable and that's how, and whole. That's how you become whole, rather than just a thin, flimsy bumper sticker. Number 11, I will learn to laugh at myself and not take myself too seriously, expecting my inner trickster to put me in my place from time to time. Learn to laugh at yourself. Did you know you have an inner trickster? It's like this inner Jacob inside of you that is uh, pulling fast ones on you. That's causing you to trip up, stumble, do stupid things in order to uh, humble you. I, I believe that God causes these things to happen to us, causes us to put our foot in our mouth, causes us to do stupid things at times, or at least allows us to let this little inner trickster come out so that where you learn eventually how not to take ourselves seriously because he wants us to take him seriously. The trouble is we take ourselves way too seriously and we don't take God very seriously at all. And so when God says something versus when I say something, when God's value judgment on something versus my value judgment on something, God's priorities, my priorities, you see, we take ourselves so seriously and him not seriously. And so it does us much good when and our soul wells up with this inner trickster that helps us to to be lower in status, to be humiliated at times, to put us in our place and learn to laugh at yourself when that happens. Learn to laugh. Share it with somebody else. Have a good laugh. They've probably done the same things. You can laugh. You can laugh together. But that that's a that's a that's a huge one uh for people to to learn how to do. Learn to laugh at yourself. Don't take yourself as seriously. Number 12. I will take responsibility for my life and use it to serve 
those around me. Take responsibility of your life. Use it to serve those around you. That's, that's what you're here for. You're here to, to serve others. You're here to glorify God, serve others. That's what we're here to do. Take responsibility for yourself. What are the things in your life along your path, your trajectory, that God has placed in your, in your life right now, today? Today, what are those things? Take responsibility for those. And when we take responsibility for those, he'll give us more. It's like that game Hungry Hungry Hippos. You know, those plastic hippos, you hit it, and the hippo launches out, and it grabs hold of that, whatever it's eating, that hungry thing, a marble or something. God will toss a marble your way, and your job during that day, your, your only job is to eat that thing, that marble, to gobble it up. And if you do, he'll give you more responsibilities. And that's how he leads us and grows us and guides us. Take responsibility for your life. If you mess things up, don't sit there and wallow in your misery and your patheticness. That's not taking responsibility. That, that, that's minimizing your behavior. You maybe think you're reacting as a good Christian by wallowing in your misery. That's not. That, that's minimizing your behavior. That's minimizing your responsibility. Take responsibility for it. Get up. Make it right. Get back on your horse and keep riding. Keep going. Keep eating those marbles, you hungry hippo, you. So take responsibility for your life and use your life. Your whole. What should you do? serve. If you don't know what you should do with your life, just start by serving someone. That's what you're to do. Small ways, just serve them. Do more of that in the new year. Number 13, I will aim my life towards God and try and try to order my ways according to his word. Psalm 19, read about God's word. The heavens declare the glory of God. Uh, the earth proclaims all his works. And then it goes on in later verses to, uh, to talk about what his word does. It it, re- it revives our souls. It revives, refreshes our spirits and enlightens our eyes. Right? God's word, um, we need to orient and order our lives according to his word. But we start by aiming our lives towards God, putting him at the top of the mountain of our lives. So he's at the top. Get that right. And this cuts through so much BS in your life. Like if you don't know what to do in any situation, whether at work or with kids or in your, with your community, whatever, say, 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 well, I know this. I need to place God and his priorities at the top. Do that and then go from there. Things will take care of themselves from there. Put God at the top. Keep him at the top of your life, your number one priority, and things will fall in place from there. But if you put something else at the top, that's not God, then things will fall out of place. Things will get worse and you won't know what to do. There'll be more confusion and chaos and pain and hurt. But if God's at the top, though it may be hard to keep him there, it may may be hard to death to keep him there, that will bring joy and meaning and clarity to whatever situation you're in. So make him your number one aim. Remember, sin is... To miss the mark, like aiming something, you miss the mark. So the opposite of sin is making God your mark. Aim at him. And then, you, then, then you'll be on target. So aim your life towards God and try to order your ways according to his word. And, it's not, and this is true even if you're not a Christian. Even if you're not a Christian, still aim towards God. Because and that's still the best thing you can do for your life. It just is. It's the way God made reality. That's how reality works. Christians, non-Christians, 
You have to have God as the number one thing, priority of your life. And this goes into church life too. Worship services, fellowship, discipleship in the church. Ask yourself, is God at the top of this thing, this discussion, this argument, this uh, this plan, these schemes? Is God at the top? Really? Is he? Is he? Aim at God. Make him the number one priority in, for the new year. And number 14, the last one. And I don't know how long this has been going on, but you think probably too long. Number 14, I will accept that my will is bound to sin. And, and at best, the only good I can do must come through God, from God, through prayer and humble dependence on him. I'll say that again because I kind of screwed it up. I will accept that my will is bound to sin. And at best, the only good I can do must come from God through prayer and humble dependence. Like, you're going to sin. You're going to mess up. And we need, we need to depend on God more. And those are opportunities for you to grow in your dependence on him. And if you, if we want to reverse that, like if you're tired of missing the mark, if you're trying to, you're like you're shooting these arrows and like hitting people and you don't want to hit, hit people because you, you really don't, you don't want to hurt people, but you keep doing it. Well, wh- what are you going to do about that? And the the answer is, well, first, you know, you're going to do that from time to time. You're going to take someone out, unfortunately. And that's a horrible thing uh, in small ways and, and even in big ways. But what are you going to do about it? Well, if you're tired of that, pray and humbly depend on God. Remember, humility is a partaking of a divine omnipotence. That's the way forward. That's the way to to start... Um, to start going in a better and better direction. That's what you want to do. So accept that your will is bound to sin. Those are Luther's words. He said, our will is bound, <laughs> like it's bound to sin. Like, and, and as soon as you say that, uh, here, here's a great lesson. If you ever catch yourself saying, oh, I would never do that, watch out. If you're like watching the news or someone's uh, friend group says something, someone did something, no matter how extreme you say, oh, I would never do that. Where you even think it, watch out, watch out because you just bound your will and it's a bound to happen. That's what I'm saying because, uh, so, so don't, so don't do that. It rather say it is in me. It is within me to do that thing. And unless I'm aware of that, and unless I place God first and depend on him, then I will do that thing. So I better get my priorities right. I better acknowledge who I really am. Give those unwanted parts a seat at my table, right? Keep your eye on them and uh, depend on God. That's the way to be healthy rather than just saying, oh, I would never do that. Or I can't believe he did that. She did that. All of that. That's a bunch of BS stuff, but say, no, that is within me. It's within everybody. And when you also know that is, that's within you and with everybody, then you're able to give grace when so, someone close to you, a friend or somebody else do, fails and uh, nobody else knows what to do, but you know what to do. You know how to encourage them and embrace them as, as, as the father did the prodigal in this case as well. So 
Those are my 14. Those are my 14 challenges, 14 goals that you can do this new year in 2024 to avoid BS faith, to avoid shallow faith, to grow yourself, to fight other things in your life. If you, if you wanted something, I know this isn't like a simple diet plan. I apologize. There's so many of them here uh, and maybe listen to a few times to get all these. And And if you want me to post them somewhere, write them somewhere, just let me know. I'll gladly do that. Happy 2023, everybody. Thanks for hanging with us through this year. It has been a journey, a great journey. And uh, we'll see you in 2024. And remember, everybody, uh, don't go stepping in no BS. (laughs) 